Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. There had been a report from Adam Schefter that Antonio Brown could be dealt as soon as today. Then there was a report from Jim Rome that it could not come soon enough. In the last two months, have turned one of the most electric players into one of the most boring, annoying stories since Brett Favre's annual retirement consideration. Come on, Jared! And then shortly before midnight last night in Pittsburgh, Ian Rappaport tweeted, quote, sources, the Steelers are closing in on a deal to send star wide receiver Antonio Brown to the Buffalo Bills. There it is. End of tweet. To which I say, there it is. There it freaking is. Antonio Brown to Buffalo. Mr. Big Chest to the bright, shiny, and up-and-coming city of Buffalo. Antonio Brown running routes in the technology corridor. And then just like that, it was over. Our national nightmare was over. And the Steelers got over. They just dumped Mr. Big Chest in Buffalo. Mr. Big Chest. You want out of here? You want to try to force us to trade you? Fine. Where do you want to go, Mr. Big Chest? Mr. Big Where do you want to go? You want to go to Frisco? You want to go to Oakland? Maybe you want to play with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe John Gruden? Maybe Derek Carr? Hey, let me ask you another question. Do you like apples? Because you're going to Buffalo, Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big Chest. How you like them apples, Chest? Mr. Big Chest. You know, quote my old man. Whenever something really crappy happened that he knew sucked for me, my old man would blast me with, how's that grab you? Yeah, well, we're shipping your ass to Buffalo, Mr. Big Chest. How's that grab you? Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to trash Buffalo or the Bills, or the Bills Mafia. I love Buffalo. I have always had Buffalo's back. I always will. And while everybody loves their team, I'm not sure there's a fan base in the NFL that's more passionate and more hardcore than the Bills Mafia. Like, it doesn't matter how crappy the Bills are or how brutal the weather is, they're out there fronting and repping their guys hard. And when things are good, there is no better place to be. As an example, did you see the reaction when Buffalo made the playoffs? Did you see the love that they had for guys like Kyle Williams? You show up, you put in the work, and you will be a legend there. And the one thing we know about Mr. Big Chest, he will put in the work. We know this. So, the city of good neighbors is on the rise. You have the electric tower, the Buffalo Philharmonic. And don't get me started on the time that they were ranked number 25 on the list of mid-sized cities for art. I mean, come on, 25th among mid-sized cities. They don't just hand that crap out. You have to earn it. And Buffalo did. And Antonio Brown arriving only makes it better. What an incredible moment for the Bills and the Bills Mafia. Good for those fans. Good for that team. I mean, sure, it's a risk. Sure, Mr. Big Chest has been acting like a bag. But if you're the Bills, you take that shot all day long. Hell yes, he's worth the risk if you're the Buffalo Bills. They need playmakers. They need a big-time receiver. It's been a hell of a long time since they've had one. I mean, they needed a receiver so badly, they made a deal for Kelvin Benjamin. That's how badly they needed a receiver. And they just got a Hall of Famer. The best receiver they've had since Andre Reid. I mean, when was the last time the Buffalo Bills had a receiver that mattered at all? And then, another plot twist. The Bills are scheduled to play Pittsburgh at some point this season. I mean, freaking drama, right? You go ahead and you circle that bleep in red when it's official. Our national nightmare had finally ended. No more updates from Mr. Big Chest Mr. on Big an elliptical telling everybody that he had changed his name to Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big and that's how we had to address him going forward. No more Mr. Big Chest Mr. Big going Chest. on social every single day to burn bridges and set what was left of his rep ablaze. It was all coming to an end. Thankfully. Mr. Big Chest headed to Buffalo, and we could all finally turn the page. Yeah, but it's never quite that easy, right? Not with Mr. Big Chest, it's not. 
And when the NFL's Instagram page posted a report about that trade, there was somebody who jumped right in in the comments. And that somebody was somebody none other than Mr. Big Chest himself. Mr. Big Chest. And his comment was the insanely tired and overdone fake news. So there was Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big Chest. With a bucket of cold water. Fake news. But you know what? I kept my head. I kept my dome. No reason to panic. It's still all good. It's just Mr. Big Chest doing Mr. Mr. Big Big Chest things. I'm sure he didn't want to go to Buffalo. But what the hell could he really say or do? They have his rights. He's under contract. If he wants to ball, he's going to have to do it in Buffalo. And just jumping into the comments section and calling it fake news does not change Jack. Let's never confuse you hating something with it not being true, MBC. See you in Buffalo, Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big Chest. And then came this tweet from Vic Carucci about an hour after the initial tweet from Rappaport. And this tweet read, an NFL source says, Bills have inquired about Antonio Brown with the Steelers, but no deal is imminent. In fact, another league source termed it, quote, unlikely. Wait, what? No! You want to talk about the ultimate record scratch. We could all finally get a good night of sleep, knowing that this Mr. Big Chest nonsense had finally been put to rest, only to wake up and discover we're right back where we started. Nothing has changed. The ultimate rug rip. The worst rug rip since that MMA announcer completely butchered the winner of the fight. For your winner. David, excuse me, my bad, Elijah Young Snipes Terrell. Mr. Big Chest of Buffalo, excuse me, my bad. For your winner. Hey, you know what's worse than being shipped to Buffalo? Not being shipped to Buffalo. And then this morning, the Bills put out an official statement, quote, We inquired about Antonio Brown on Tuesday, kept talks open with the Steelers. We had positive discussions, but ultimately it didn't make sense for either side. As great a player as Antonio Brown is, we have moved on and our focus is on free agency. Holy crap, it's not over. Mr. Big Chest is not a Buffalo Bill and apparently never will be, never was going to be. According to show legend Jason Lockenfora, quote, any chance of an Antonio Brown trade to the Bills fell apart because the player would not commit to going to Buffalo. By the time the report came out, the deal was dead. JLC went on, quote, Brown was unwilling to go to Buffalo, period. Wasn't even a matter of money at that point. So the deal fell through. Steelers and Bills had stopped talking and both sides had moved on. Market for Brown is pretty bleak right now. Damn. Here we are. Here the bleep here we, we are. are. Here the f- we are. Now what? Where do the Steelers go from here? The market was not that good to begin with, and now it's even worse right now. Do the Steelers give him what he wants and cut him? Or do they trade him out of spite, even if they know they're going to get very little for him? Because you know that a team like the Raiders is going to be there, and if the Raiders are smart, they're going to offer Pittsburgh next to nothing. And then what about Mr. Big Chest? What does Brown do? Come to find out, my man actually does have some leverage. You know, the leverage that comes along with saying, oh, hell no, I'm not going there, but actually meaning it and backing it up. So this thing went from being over to never gonna end. And the Steelers and Mr. Big Chest and all of us are right back where we started. A team and a receiver that are so much better off together, but more busted up and broken than ever before. Somebody tell me when this is over, because I'm not talking about it again until it is. Biggest rug rip ever. Bills fans, how's that grab you? Nate Oates. Nate, good to have you back. How are you? Great to be on again, Rome. How you doing? Good, w- good. Weather's good out in L.A.? Matt, you know, well, today it is, Nate. We've gotten a hell of a lot of rain. No one's going to feel sorry for us, but we've gotten a lot of rain. How about um, where you are? It's uh, 32 right now, so it's like uh, spring for us out here. Uh, you know what? I think I've got a kid from Florida. I took him out on some snowmobiles uh, like a month ago. He wants to go again. I, I might, I'm, We might go out on the sleds for an hour before the game tonight. Man, I love that. I love that. So what about it? When you bring a kid in from Florida, how do they react to that? 
Uh, he loves it. He keeps asking me when we're going to go on the snowmobiles again. So I like he's a transfer from Middle Tennessee State, Antoine. So I told him we might head out this afternoon. I like uh, it. It's like perfect. It's yeah, the snow's still around, but it's not too cold. We, we might head out. Well, when you come to Buffalo, we'll get you on some snowmobiles. I'm in. I'm in. I've been spending a lot of time in Wisconsin, so I'm about that life. I'm ready for it. Are you doing a repair that needs a special tool? O'Reilly Auto Parts makes it easy with our loaner tool program. Over 80 specialized loaner tools are available, so we're sure to have a tool in stock to help you get that job done right. Purchase the needed parts, put down a deposit on the loaner tool, and then return the tool in its original condition and receive a full refund. Nate Oates joining us. All right, so you clinched your second straight conference title, and you got the top seed in the conference tournament. Hey, Nate, I know you're not necessarily thrilled with how you finished some of the possessions in that game against Ohio, but how good did it feel to close it out and win that regular season title again? I mean, it was great, and you're right. We did. We- we didn't play how we should have played, but we'll we'll take the win. Sometimes, shoot, it's college basketball. Kids don't always uh, play as well as you'd like. That's sports in general. But, shoot, to get a win, we're three games ahead with one game left. It, it's nice to clinch it. Now we can enjoy senior night. We've got five seniors that have meant the world to this program. So now we can really enjoy it. We're cutting the nets down after the uh, game tonight. So it'll be a fun night for uh, for our Buffalo fans here. Nato, it's my guest. Let me name check these guys. We're talking about C.J. Massenburg, Nick Perkins, Dante Carruthers, Jeremy Harris, and Montel McRae. What have they meant to you personally and to the program? I mean, if, if we go down the list, like Montel, we got three of those guys are Juco guys, but da- Dante came for three years. So Montel and Jeremy have just been here two years, but the two years they've been here have been the two best years in the history of Buffalo basketball. You know, Jeremy was, you know, we got him over – he took a visit to Texas Tech, so for a kid that talented to commit to come play for us here, you know, he wanted to win and play right away, and he's been able to do that. He he was the one that kind of torched DeAndre Aiden and got a bunch of national publicity in that Arizona win, and, you know, he, he, it was good. The one good thing with the Ohio, other than we won at Ohio, is Jeremy got himself going again. We Hopefully he's like Mr. March. He had a little slump in February. He kind of did the same thing last year, now he – he played great at Ohio, so hopefully he gets it going again. Montel's a 6'10 shooter that, you know, adds another dimension to our offense. And then Carruthers, the, you know, kid from Rochester right down the road, he's this whole blue-collar mentality that we've kind of adopted. That's that's kind of Dante. He plays so hard, he takes charges. Everybody that watches this play loves watching Carruthers play. And then you go to the two guys that, have been with us for four years. I, this is my fourth year as a head coach. It's CJ and Nick's fourth year in the program. They've been with me every game I've coached here as a head coach. So it's that's a little bit special. You think, you know, Nick, I've known Nick since his freshman year in high school. I was a high school coach in Detroit area, and Nick, and that's where Nick comes from. So I've known him for eight years now. But, you know, so obviously that's a special relationship, and he's he's been great. CJ's got a chance to leave as the all-time leading scorer in school's history, and he came to us with one offer. He came to us in the spring of his senior year and basically was begging us to take him. Uh, you know, begging may be too strong a word, but he was, you know, selling himself. We were talking about maybe redshirting him. Now the kid's going to leave, you know, all-time winningest player in Buffalo history, maybe the all-time leading scorer on the National Player of the Year watch list. I just think it's kind of what college sports is about, kids – come up and you work hard it's you know it gets rewarded being being a humble hard-working kid gets rewarded so I I you know it's gonna be a great night for us to recognize these five guys Buffalo head coach Nate Oates is my guest I appreciate your thoughts on them and Nate stay on CJ for one minute because as much respect as you have for guys like CJ yeah. and his teammates have for him during practice they're still going to go at him like everybody else and there was a story from earlier this year where a freshman scored on him and then started talking trash to CJ for allowing him to score. What did you think when you saw that? I mean, I loved it. It's kind of the culture that we've built here. Like, our practices are ultra-competitive. So, you know, we, we bring the freshmen in and let them know that they've got to, they got to compete. And, they, and then they start competing. And, see, you know, CJ talks a little trash himself. I mean, he's not... You know he's a great kid with high character. He, he's gonna let he's gonna let these guys know when they get scored on. So they there was Jonathan was the freshman. He's he's like a top 100 recruit out of Rochester. He's gonna be really good. But you know Nate Nate let CJ know he could score a few buckets himself. So it was I mean that, that, 
it's Dante goes at see we don't we don't put our first team against our second team all the time. We especially before we start getting into games, we always mix it up, make it even. So we get CJ going at Park and CJ going at Dante, and they they go back and forth. So practices are pretty lively. They're they're pretty good. CJ made a comment to a reporter after the game. I loved it actually. They, the reporter was talking about how hard we play and our defense and how scrappy we are. And he he told the reporter like you're missing the good stuff if you're not here for practice. You don't really even get to see the good stuff. That's great. Nate Oates joining us. In terms of that good stuff, you and I have talked about the approach that you take and the mindset that you want in your team. You had a great quote recently, I thought. Nate, you said, quote, I don't want to play scared. Get your mindset to where you're going to go out and crush people. We're going to hunt, end quote. Look, there aren't a lot of coaches who publicly publicly talk about wanting to crush people or going out to hunt. Why is this so important to you? I... <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't mean for that to come across in the wrong way by any stretch, but, what, you know, we're playing in the MAC and we're a top 25 team, so so sometimes our guys may have the tendency to maybe relax, think they're going to get a win, and our league's really good. We're the eighth-ranked league in the net, like, right now, but I wanted to get the mindset out of the way. Like, we're, you know, because everybody talks about having a target on your back all the time. Well, you know what? Like I don't want to think like that. Like we're we're gonna go be the hunters, not the hunted, and we're going after them. And and we're not gonna match anybody's intensity on any given night. They're gonna to have to figure out if they even capable of matching ours. That's the mindset I want our guys going in with. So that that was that was my point. Like, let's come out and punch people in the mouth and make them figure out if they they even got the capabilities to try to match our intensity on any given night. And Nate, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. In other words. It's not a matter of us having to deal with them. They have to deal with us. I mean, that's, that makes sense to me. And so you've got this mentality. You know, you mentioned February. I had Mick Cronin from Cincinnati on, and he was talking about how pumped up he is when the calendar flips over to March because that means you just got through the toughest part of the year in college basketball, February. It's a long, long college season. You're always looking to play with intensity, but does that ramp up even more when you shift to March? What's it like when the calendar turns over from February to March? Yeah, I, I mean, shoot, I just watched Cincinnati play. I think it was last night they were on. I, I, Mick Cronin obviously gets his guys to play about as hard as anybody in the country. I respect them. We played them last year, and they're, they're tough as nails. So I, I respect Mick, and I, I agree with him 100%. When that, when that thing flips to March, and we start talking about it, like it's go time now, and we talked about getting guys off social media. Like let, Let's lock in here. Let's quit wasting time doing stuff that doesn't matter, and let's, let's – get down to studying video, get in, get some extra shots up. When we hit the floor, it's it's go time. We're we're in March. Shoot, two weeks from today, two weeks from yesterday, is the uh, we're going to be playing either two weeks from yesterday or two weeks from today in the NCAA tournament. So it, it's time to put the hard hats on, get, get down to what we do, and like, let's win some games here in March. Hey, Nate, I don't, I'm not a coach. I don't have a team, but I do have two kids. I've got a 17-year-old son, a 14-year-old son. That social media thing, that's real now. That's a real deal. Like, how do you monitor that? What would you like to see your guys do with social media? How much can they do and how much should they not do? How do you approach it? You know what? So uh, during the year, I try to, other than just making sure there's no inappropriate tweets or, you know, whatever platform they're using, uh, on we, we we don't monitor a ton. We we obviously talk about not wasting too much time and using your time. So we we've got a mental skills coach that has a session with our team yesterday and he he challenged him with three things and one of them was he wanted them to limit it to three minutes a day. I don't know if that's possible because I think some of these guys are three hours a day guys, but they, his thing was get on, check it once quick in the morning. I think last year we tried to say just eliminate it for like you know, two or three weeks. So I, his thing was, let's let's try to limit it to three minutes a day. I, when it gets go time now, like you cannot. We now we took our kids' phones away from them after the Arizona win. We gave it to them for an hour or two because we knew that. I mean, shoot, they could stay up on the phone all night. They're gonna have kids that they went to second grade with and haven't heard from them hitting them up after we beat Arizona last year in a tournament. So I think once you get into some of that stuff, you you maybe have to confiscate the phones so they can get some sleep because you got to get sleep in the NCAA tournament. But for now, we're just trying to tell them that, you know. And then we talked about what can you do. Like, let's say you usually spend an hour or two, so if you're only going to spend three minutes, what can you do? And we asked them, and they, you know, get in the gym, shoot more, get more rest, study film more. There's plenty of stuff they can do with their time other than waste it on social media. 
Nate Oates is my guest. All right, Nate, you know how this goes, right? When you have the level of success that you're having, your name is going to come up for other jobs. But as you've said, quote, everybody assumes, Coach Oates, you're having a great year. You're not going to be here much longer. And I'm like, why not? Look, Nate, you're in the top 25. You have been for most of the year. The expectation is not that you're going to go to the tournament, but that you'll make a deep run. Do you really need to go someplace else to to have the kind of success that you want to have? I I think we've proved it. We've been in the top 25 ever since the second week of the polls. I think it's been 18 straight weeks. So we've we've got what we need here. I think the administration likes what we're doing. You know, they're – talking to me about making sure we stay and I, i'd love to stay i should i got you've got kids i've got three daughters they you know they don't they don't want to move my wife doesn't want to move so let, let's build it i mean there's there's been other programs that have built it gonzaga wasn't what they are now 20 years ago and butler the same way vcu the same way there's been plenty of programs that have built it and continue to build it and keep the thing going so i uh you know I, hopefully, hopefully, I'm still here next year. That, that's that's what I'm planning on. We got two kids on official visits this weekend, and I'm I'm planning on coaching them. So we, we love we love it in Buffalo. The whole we've got the whole blue collar thing going. The city's embraced us. We love it here. Sure, Jim Kelly was at one of our games the other night, and, and Thurman Thomas came to a game. They both came in the locker room, talked to our guys. So we're getting a lot of love in Buffalo. We like it here right now. Buffalo is the best. You know, Mark Fury and I used to talk about this quite a bit. And whenever it would come up, he'd say, look, I've got this great lifestyle here. He said, literally, Nate, exactly what you said. My family loves it. My kids love it. I can go fly fishing. You're telling me the same thing. You and Crystal and the kids love it. You've got snowmobiles. It's kind of off topic, but you can speak to the city before I let you go. What is Antonio Brown missing out on by saying, I don't want to come to Buffalo? I mean, look, this is as blue collar as it gets in Buffalo, and the, and, the, and the sports fans here are nuts. Like they, even when the Bills weren't very good, they, they supported them like crazy. You know, even when the Sabers aren't good, they support them. So now, I mean, the Bills are getting good. So I, I mean, I, you know, I was talking with a local radio guy this morning about the Antonio Brown thing a little bit. Like, the, the people kill Buffalo for the weather. Well, you know what? The weather's not any different in New England with the Patriots. They play outside. Like. Once you start winning and build a winning culture, like people will come. The weather doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's it's more a winning culture. We don't have problems recruiting here to Buffalo with the weather. We got the same weather and we got kids from Florida and Dallas and California and we're all over the place on our team. So build a winner. I mean, shoot, you know what I said though, off the Bills Mafia? They might be lucky they didn't get Antonio Brown. Who knows? There might be something better. We've had kids leave our program that people thought was gonna hurt our program. Sometimes it's better, you know, who you lose addition by subtraction or who you don't get in free agency. So I think the Bills will be all right. I like the staff. I like what they got going here. Maybe it's a good thing. Nate Oates joining us, and I want to echo that. I, the time that I've spent in Buffalo was awesome. It is a great town. It's an amazing sports town, and they're with you when you're not doing well. And believe me, when you do do well, there's no better place to be. You've got Buffalo, number 19 right now. They're taking on Bowling Green tonight. Their head coach, Nate Oates, my guest. Nate, you're the best. Great to have you back. Thanks for joining us, and good luck. We'll be watching very carefully and closely in March. No, I appreciate it. Always, always love being on your show, Rome. So, I've been rocking my outer known gear. I love this clothing. I love the way it looks. I love the way it feels. I love how comfortable it is. I'm telling you, man, I'm feeling sharp. I'm feeling hip. And I know you clones will too. Another fact for you. I brought it home, showed it to my wife, Janet. She's like, wow, where did you get that? I said, outer known, of course. What do you think? She said, I love it. Go to OuterKnown.com right now and enter my code Rome at checkout and you'll get 25% off your full price order. That's OuterKnown.com, O-U-T-E-R-K-N-O-W-N.com. Remember to use my code Rome at checkout for 25% off. Check them out right now, OuterKnown.com. Don't forget to use the promo code Rome and get your 25% off. Do it now. All right, so the Lakers are going to shut down LeBron. Not completely. <laughs> Not really. But Luke Walton said, quote, I will be monitoring his workload from here on out, end quote. And by monitoring his workload, what we're really talking about is some sort of minutes restriction. And I know that news like that might really piss off some of you dopes who believe that buying a ticket means that LeBron owes it to you personally to be run into the ground. But again, it's a moronic take. (laughs) Like you bought a ticket, so he better be out there playing 40 a night, right? I mean, for who? For what? As a punishment, or so that people who bought tickets to a Nets-Lakers game in March can see him play? 
It's just dumb. It's a bad take. It's dumb. The only thing more embarrassing than missing the playoffs this year would be missing the playoffs next year because LeBron played useless minutes in useless games at the end of a lost season. Let me give you some numbers. The details from Chris Haynes are that for the rest of the season, LeBron is going to play somewhere between 28 and 32 minutes a game, depending on how he feels, and he might sit out the second back of back-to-backs or the second game of back-to-backs, which makes sense, right? I brought it up on Tuesday after they lost to the Clippers and it pretty much ended their season. Now that the season is over, in the first week of March, resting LeBron is the logical next step. Now, initially, LeBron didn't want to hear it. Initially, he said, quote, that would take a lot of convincing from Luke on up. Unless I'm hurt, I'm not sitting games, end quote. And I know why he'd react like that. He's a competitor. I know how much pride he takes in being out there every single night. This is one of the most durable guys in NBA history. He led the league in minutes played last season. Check that. Minutes per game last season. And the season before that. Let me repeat that. He led the league in minutes per game last season and the season before that. In his 14th and 15th seasons in the NBA. It's incredible. Last year he played all 82 games. He didn't just lead the league in minutes per game. He led the league in total minutes. So for somebody with the kind of mileage he has, that's an amazing stat. And that's before we even get to the playoffs, where he's played nearly three more full seasons worth of games and averaged another 42 minutes per game. And then that's before we get into the pace of play at points this season, which means the minutes are even more punishing. This is a guy who's got a ton of mileage on him. The fact that he's still playing at this level, at this point in his career, with all that mileage, is ridiculous. And the only thing more ridiculous would be to keep running this guy out there for absolutely meaningless games. So what I'm saying is, they have to limit him. Not only does resting LeBron reduce the risk of injury this season... It also reduces their chances of winning so they can keep increasing their chances in the lottery because that's what Laker fans back to right now. Laker fan is back to caring about the lottery. The lottery is the only thing that matters right now because the best case scenario is Zion and the second best case scenario is a better pick to include for Anthony Davis. Suddenly lose-lose becomes win-win. Oh, and speaking of Anthony Davis, how bizarre is it that according to reports, the Pelicans would like nothing better than to shut him down. Davis would like nothing better than to be shut down. But the league has made it clear that he has to keep playing. So the Pelicans have to play a guy that they don't want to play, who doesn't want to play, while the Lakers are going to shut down a guy who does want to play. NBA action, it is fantastic. Back to LeBron. I've got no problem with the Lakers monitoring his workload or limiting his minutes. If anything, my problem is that's not enough. Don't monitor his workload. Don't limit his minutes. Man, shut this guy down. Why put him out there for even 28 minutes in a game that doesn't matter? Again, for who? For what? For Bob in L.A.? Every single game. Run his ass down. (laughs) Why? For somebody else who bought a ticket and is pissed that they're not going to see LeBron play in a game that doesn't matter at all in a lost season? And don't tell me every game matters because they don't. They only matter at this point if you run this guy out there and he gets hurt again. And then you end up wasting all of next season like this season was wasted. I know the guy wants to be out there, but really what's the point? The only possible outcomes are bad. Either you put them out there and they win, bad outcome, or you put them out there and he gets more miles on him and he gets possibly injured again, also bad. The worst scenario is you run this guy out there and they win games and he gets hurt. Shut him down. Let's go home. This is the easiest decision ever. Monitor his minutes. How about by monitoring You don't let the guy play. You've got him for three more years at huge money. You need this guy. And they don't need to be winning games right now. They need the best shot they can in the lottery. So, no, 
You don't run his ass down. Every single game, run his ass down. <laughs> I'm like laughing at the absurdity of that. Why? Why? Because I bought tickets and we want to see him play. So put him out there and run his ass down. Joey Logano is my guest. Joey, it's good to have you back on. How are you? I'm doing awesome, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Joey, nice to visit with you. Take me back to Las Vegas, if you don't mind. You and Brad Keselowski were so evenly matched. So when you're getting into the final laps, what kinds of thoughts uh, kind of thoughts were you having? What was going through your mind? <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> uh, to keep it simple. But, you know, really, um, you know, we're also trying to figure out these, these you know, 2019 rules uh, where, where the cars race a lot different, the setup's a lot different. But, uh, you know, at that point, you know, Brad's my teammate. Uh, I know what's in, in his car. I know how he is as a driver. I know his strengths, his weaknesses, and, and he knows mine as well. And we were really playing those cards quite a bit. Uh, you know, every, every corner, he was doing something a little different. I was doing something a little different and just trying to hold each other off uh, to, to be able to get the win. So um, it was a lot of fun racing your teammate like that, and it's great for Team Penske. You know, anytime you can have a one-two finish like that uh, so- early in the season and keep that momentum rolling, that's so big in sports. Joey Logano joining us. I love that topic. The fact that you guys are teammates. Team Penske finished one and two in Las Vegas, and the team already has two wins on the year and wins in eight of the last 15. So how much competition is there between each car? And then what makes the entire group so special? You know, there is a little friendly competition. Uh, obviously, we, we all want to win. Um, but I think we all realize how important it is for us to work together um, to, to be able to be successful, you know, and, and and, and Brad and I have said it a lot, and it was also Ryan Blaney, but, you know, we, I'd rather finish second or third to them than finish in front of them and finish 20th in the race. So I think we all have that attitude and we're able to work together uh, really well as drivers, but the teams also have that, that same attitude um, when it comes to sharing your notes and sharing what we learned in practice here in a few minutes. Those are the things we have to do just to be competitive against our competitors. Joey Logano joining us. All right, so as I mentioned, Las Vegas was your 22nd Cup win. And then the other day, the official NASCAR Twitter account tweeted, 22 career wins for the driver of the 22. Which Joey Logano win has been your favorite through the years? Look, I know you'll tell me, Joey, that all of them are your favorite. But if you had to pick one, which one sticks out over the others? Oh, it's, <laughs> There's a few that really stick out to me. Uh, it's hard not to think about racing in Miami last year. Uh, for the championship, that that obviously was a big one. Daytona 500, those those ones are kind of right up on it. But you know, winning at your home racetrack. I'm from Connecticut, so New Hampshire was my home track. That was a big deal. Um, and really, last week that it was the Pennzoil 400. Pennzoil is a big partner of ours, uh, and for them, that might have been their biggest win. <laughs> they, they were all excited. They have about 400 people there uh, having a good time after the race. So uh, th- that was pretty neat as well. No, that's a good one to win for sure. Joey Logano joining us. You mentioned the championship. You know, it's like whenever a team or an individual wins a title, there can always be that challenge of dealing with success. You already had had a lot of success before last year, but does it feel different this year now that you are the champ? You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, you know, it, 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 it's cool because everyone says, hey, champ, instead of, hey, man. So that, <laughs> that part's kind of cool. Right. Uh, but really, you know, that's all last year at this point. You know, when you get back to the racetrack when we did in Daytona, we're, we have a, a clean slate. We're all back at zero, and, and we got to try to win the championship again. And, you know, one of, one of my favorite Roger Penske quotes is not to trip on your press clippings. Uh, and if there's anyone that had plenty of success and, and understands that, Roger gets it. And, uh, you know, that's something that I really tried to, to use a lot and, and realize that, you know, it was last year, and it was great, and it was fun, and it was an amazing accomplishment, and we should enjoy it but it's over and we need to focus in hard now. You know, it's interesting because you actually told your wife, Brittany, that there's a story that at the end of 2018, you said just that to her quote, that was a great year, but it's over. But I'm not talking about what we just did on the track. In addition to that, you and Brittany also had your first child Hudson. That's an amazing year. So how do you go about trying to top that this year? (laughs) I, I don't know if you can top a year like that. And all honesty, it's just an amazing season, an amazing year. Uh, for a life that God's given us. And, uh, you know, we were in Times Square for, for New Year's Eve. We're sitting outside in the pouring rain saying, it doesn't get much better than that, but it, it's over and we need to start all, all over again and, and try to do something great again. And, um, you know, there's nothing like having your first child. I don't I don't think you can ever, uh, you know, top something like that and, and some of the things we've been able to do. But if we can get close to matching it, we'd call that successful. 
Hey, listen, talking to you right now, Joey, I'm reminded of this. You are, I mean, you're relentlessly upbeat and you're positive. And you were recently talking about the negativity that there is in the world, not just sports, but how people love to get on Twitter and be, quote, all big and bad and write something that makes them feel better because they want something, end quote. So how do you approach this? How do you go about shutting out the negativity and only focusing on and letting in positivity? Well, I think you just focus on what you can control. Right. I mean, there's there's some things in life you just can't control. You can't control politics. You can't control, uh, you know, a lot of things in life uh, and a lot of people's opinions. Um, so you just focus on on doing you the best you can, uh, you know, being being the best uh, for me, race car driver or father or, um, you know, trying to do the right thing for people when, when I have the opportunity uh, to do the right thing and to understand that God's given us a great life and and we need to do something with it. So. Um, I believe attitudes are contagious. You know, if you can be positive around other people, they, they just happen. They, they happen to be positive as well, and, and vice versa if you're negative. So, uh, unfortunately, our, our news these days uh, and people in our society like to talk about negative stories more than positive, and uh, it's kind of unfortunate. And, you know, I think it's all, to all of us to you know, as a, as a group to try to change that. Joey Logano is my guest. I don't think that's just merely idle talk. As an example, back at the awards celebration in Las Vegas, you made it a point to talk about being on the biggest stage in the sport, but wanting to use that sport to talk about living a life of generosity and to encourage others to do the same. Why was that something that you wanted to do in that particular moment? Oh, you know, for, for, for us, we started the Joey Logano Foundation to give second chances to kids in crisis a few years ago. Um, but the second part of our mission was to to inspire others to live a life of generosity. And, you know, it's because God's given me an amazing stage and a great platform to, to live out my dream. And if I did nothing but take trophies home and say that's cool and that's it, at the end of the day, that's a pretty empty life. Um, you know, that you didn't really give back and do the right thing. And, um, you know, and that's the truth for all of us. You know, if we all can give back and do the right thing when, when the – when the opportunity presents itself, and I'm not just talking about finances and all, you don't have to be a millionaire to, to, to do the right thing. Um, you know, whether you just smile at somebody, like I said, those attitudes are so contagious. So how did you happen to pick, or pick that particular cause? And then why is this particular cause so important to both you and your wife? Uh, well, you know, for me, um, you know, early in my career, uh, when I was racing for Joe Gibbs, um, which was a great opportunity, but, as a driver, I didn't succeed. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I needed. And I got a second chance to drive for Roger Penske. And I know how I approached the situation completely different when I had a second chance. Um, and I kind of knew what I wanted. And think life in general and how many, uh, you know, a lot of times um, just need a second shot. You know, they just get through, through life and make some of the wrong decisions. Maybe they don't have the best role models in their life. A lot of kids uh, maybe don't have the best parents and, and make the wrong decisions, and they got to live with those consequences that this is of the decisions they made when they were 15 or 16 or even younger, um, and they don't have the chance to overcome that. And so we work with a lot of organizations, um, you know, that, that give these kids the resources and, uh, you know, the, the smarts that they need to hopefully make the right decision to become contributing members of a society, which is, you know, really important in our country right now. So Knowing what it's like for me to have a second chance, I can imagine what it's like for everybody to be able to do something again and, and do it better. Good for you. I like that. One last thought, Joe. You mentioned your time with Joe, with Joe Gibbs. So maybe what do you know now as a driver that maybe you didn't know then? <laughs> How long of a call have I got here? <laughs> as much time as you need, champ. As much time as you need. There's a lot. You know, I was 18 years old um, when I first started racing Cup, and, um, you know, I had – five or six races under me in the Xfinity series, which is, you know, kind of the one level down. And um, I got thrown into was a great opportunity. Um, and I don't regret taking it, but I was definitely not ready in a lot of different ways. You know, as, a, as an eight year old with, without a resume behind you, uh, you're trying to lead a, a group of guys that have, you know, won two championships before um, really know how to do it. And, you know, you're trying to just figure things out for yourself and, for, for me, you know, growing up, winning came, and it kind of sounds arrogant, but winning came pretty easy uh, growing up through the levels. But when I got to the top where everybody was super talented, that's where I had to learn how to work hard and, and really dig down and, and figure out, you know, what makes 
a race car go fast at each racetrack, what my competitors do and study that and, um, you know, each race situation and start making the mistakes uh, that I needed to make to be able to learn. And uh, I'm grateful for those mistakes. They, they weren't fun <laughs> at all, but, uh, you know, I don't regret them now that of the lessons that I've learned uh, throughout it. So it's been a, like I said, a fun little ride. He is the driver of the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford Mustang. He is the Series Cup champ. And again, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series West Coast Swing does continue this Sunday outside of Phoenix with the Ticket Guardian 500 at ISM Raceway. Again, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Joey, extremely well done. Always good to have you on the show, Joey. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Big fan. Thank you very much. Remember 1989, the year the World Wide Web was invented? Yeah, well, we've come a long way in 30 years. So why does it feel like the software that you use every day at work is stuck in the past? Take a leap into the future by finding the right software for your business on Capterra.com. Capterra is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business with over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users discover everything you need to make an informed decision join the millions of people who use captera every month to find the right tools for your business visit captera.com slash rome for free today and find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business captera.com slash rome captera that's c-a-p-t-e-r-r-a dot com slash rome captera that's c-a-p-t-e-r-r-a dot com slash rome jeff in middleton middletown excuse me what's going on jeff Nothing much, bro. What's up, my man? What's up, man? What's good? Nothing much, man. Now, look, I was going to go straight in and talk about, you know, your clones in Utah and their sister wives and your clones in Indiana and their sister moms, you know, and you begin to play the Mike in Indy creation playlist with all the Bon Jovi because, you know, before there was ever Viagra, it was a six-pack of Michelob and Bon Jovi in Indiana. That's like Indiana, Viagra. It predates Viagra. So, But I, I didn't want to go straight in. What I really called to talk to was my Laker fans because I'm a Laker fan. I be purple and gold, born in Ohio, but Magic Johnson was my life growing up. And all the Laker fans that want to say we got LeBron, man, that's like the 80s saying they got Ali. Okay, the 60s and the 70s got Ali. And that was LeBron in Cleveland and Miami. And then when you saw him in Cleveland the second time, that was the dude that knocked out Foreman. And we was all like, wow, wow, can't believe he did it. But, I mean, in LeBron we got now, we got the dude that beat Leon Spinks and got whooped by Larry Holmes. So when Magic mortgages everything for Anthony Davis, we're going to have a long time in L.A. But back to the clones, Rome, and all the fake dudes. You know, the clones nowadays, I be seeing them, and I've been watching you, and you know I duck out from behind, you know, the Romaine, roll me some Romaine, and I duck out every smack season, I holler at you. And the main reason I holler in Rome is because these dudes ain't me. They trash. So what you need to do is you need to wrap my golden ticket around my rack and go on and get me in the ball game because they be getting run like LeBron on a Monday night against the Clippers, and I stay getting racked like a stripper on Friday night at Magic City. So I stay who I am. Minnesota Fats, Doctor Always Get a Rack, you check out my percentages and I stay getting racked. And thank you for letting the clones use the GPS. You know, war me being the Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chester Smack. And I'll holler at you in the springtime. Holler me up, Ron. It's on. Jeff, my man, it is on. Give it to him. I got a golden ticket. I got a golden ticket. Only one way to find out. Let's go to Arlington, Texas. Mike, Raider Mike, what's up, brother? Ben Smack, thanks for taking the phone call, bud, and epic of you to put me up. You know, Jim, I've been following with bated breath this entire soap opera unfolding with Antonio Brown. I mean, it's been like the young and the big chest for the last 24 hours on Twitter. I was up last night following it, and uh, props to uh, Rap Sheet for, uh, for trying to bust that story. You know, unfortunately, right now, right in the middle of it are the Raiders. Look, Gruden, he's gutted this team. We are officially in rebuild mode. Training, 
trading for a 31-year-old wide receiver, no matter how talented, is, is, is a move that NFL teams make when they are one or two players away. Why is it that, that, that any time some big-name NFL malcontent hits the market, they are automatically linked to Oakland? And what's worse, half of Raider Nation is blowing up Twitter ready to trade all of our high draft picks for this clown. I mean, it's like the kid from the impoverished family at Christmas, Jim. You know, they want the shiny new fire truck, but what they really need is some pajamas and a new pair of socks. That's how bare the cupboard is in Oakland. And the last thing we need is to throw away our draft picks and cap space on some nut job who doesn't even know if he wants to play football. You know, if it was me, if, if A.B. really had any heart, he goes to the Bills Mafia, he fills Kelvin Benjamin's shoes, he gets his 50 catches, and he gets measured for a yellow jacket. But right now, every time he opens his freaking mouth, his legacy is going up in flames. Sort of like that tree line in Apocalypse Now where Charlie don't surf. What the Steelers ought to do is they ought to call his bluff and yank back that $12 million signing bonus he got in 2017 when the drama queen holds out. Whatever the case, I don't want him anywhere near my football team. Let's stick to the process, use our picks, use our cap space, and we'll draft our own young stud-wide receiver. Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown, Hakeem Butler, all of these guys should be there at 35, and we can use our first three draft picks on defense where we really need it. That's all I got, Van Smack. I'm out. Raider Mike. I love the smell of a Raider Mike call in the morning. And you know, Mark Stein joins us. It's good to have you back. Mark, how are you? There's only one Big West legend on this call, man. It's it's the Gaucho. It's the Titan. My man, Mark Stein, it is so good to have you. Let me ask you, before you and I get into NBA news, I want to talk to you for a second. As I mentioned, Mark, you are the recipient of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award, which the Hall of Fame announced during the All-Star Weekend. I've been meaning to talk to you about this. This is an enormous award. What did it mean to you to receive that honor? Romy, it's the greatest thing ever. Professionally, like seriously, I, I, I still almost, how many, it's almost a month late. I can't even believe it. I just... I can't even – now, this is my 26th season, so I've been doing it a long time. But I'm still, I think, relatively young in this profession, closing in on the big 5-0 here. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely surreal. Just And it, it, it means a ton. And then when they say, you know, for your contributions to the game, it makes it even more powerful. So I can't I, – I could try, but I can't, I, I can't even – put it into words how much it means i mean it just it it just doesn't seem real it's an amazing honor congratulations you know mark when you go back to the days that you were covering the los angeles summer league at loyola marymount in fact for those of us in this area we know what that league was like what were those days like for you and did you ever imagine at one point when you were back there that you would be winning the kurt gowdy media award no really back then it was just like god i want to do this for a living basically what it, you know i was lucky enough going to fullerton was huge because I was able to get on the part-time staff of the Orange County Register at 18, and the Register was, you know, in those days, just an absolute monster of a sports section and just tons of amazing writers on, on every beat. But it's just so funny how different the league was 30 years ago. You know, the Lakers were going to the finals every year. The beat writer would never go to Summer League. Like, now Summer League is this massive industry where every game is televised and the whole NBA is there Summer League was so much smaller back then. And basically, the year before, uh, one of the Register's writers did a whole page of articles from Summer League. So I just annoyingly bugged the hell out of my editors, please let me be the one this year who gets to go to Summer League. And they just got so sick of me asking, they finally let me go. And that was a great summer because Vlade, the Lakers just drafted, drafted Vlade Divac and the Spurs got David Robinson and and I just basically lived at that summer league. I was 20, and I just was like, man, I want to do this. Is what I want to do. This is this this would be the greatest job. And about you know five five years after that, I got on the NBA full time, and I I never let go. Mark Stein joining us. Listen, really quickly, I don't want to turn it into a complete retrospective and a trip down memory lane because, as you point out, you're still young in this business. You've got a lot of work ahead of you. But as you look back on all the stories and all the players that you covered. Who sticks out to you the most? Like, what were some of your favorite stories, and who were your, some of your favorite guys to talk to? Well, look, from a pure interview perspective to this day, Barkley is, is just about the best. I mean, there, there's just, you know, he, you, you, you know, he's still making news this week. I mean, everything the guy says is 
explosive and he's just a great talker who, you know, opens up to him, opens up to us. But I, I think just in general, what I've loved about the NBA, and I think you would back me up on this. You've been having NBA guests on for as long as I can listen to you of the major sports. It is the most open, and I think these guys show us their most real self better than any of the other sports. Durant, Kyrie Irving, we've been banging on these guys all year long. They're unhappy. They're this or that. But you know what? It's real. They're showing us their real selves. And I don't know if that happens in the other sports. But, look, I got to cover Magic's comeback in 96, first year of Shaka Kobe, obviously in Dallas, Nash, Nowitzki, Cuban, you know, the whole Warriors, you know, the, their, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been too lucky, man. We could be here for hours doing this. Mark Stein joining us. You've had a great run, a lot still ahead of you. All right, so shifting to today, Mark, the Lakers have said there's a possibility that, well, not a possibility, but they will. They're going to monitor LeBron's workload for the rest of the season, and he may not play in the second games of back-to-backs. When he first arrived in L.A., nobody was thinking that they'd win a championship this year, but did you ever imagine that things would go as badly for him and for them as they have this year? No. Look, I was one of those guys who said, okay, the playoffs are a coin flip, but if it's a coin flip and LeBron James is on one side of the coin, you think that's the the way it's going to land. I did not have the guts to say, the Lakers will not miss the playoffs, and obviously – his injury is a huge part of this. I mean, I think Mike Trudell, the Lakers sideline guy, had this stat this week that the Lakers are actually 18 and 12 when LeBron, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball are all on the floor together. And they've had, a, you know, they lost LeBron for the longest injury of his career. They haven't had Lonzo. So there are some mitigating factors, but shutting LeBron down, cutting his minutes, sitting on back. I mean, they're done. They're out of it with. 17 games to go. It's, it's, it's incredible that it turned this quick because it was just at All-Star Weekend. I remember talking to LeBron at All-Star Weekend, and he just looked at me, and he's like, we're making our run, and I'm starting to feel healthy. And, you know, he came out of All-Star thinking they were going to make a run and make the playoffs, and it's just been a disaster since the All-Star game. Mark, the thing is, I mean, it's all that, but the insane thing to me is it's a bad year, but it's, in terms of winning percentage, it's their best year since 2013. In other words, it's a colossal disappointment, and it's still their best season in six years. Exactly where does this leave this organization right now? Well, they knew going into this year that even if they did make the playoffs and you know, presumably went out in the first round, this summer, everything was riding on the coming summer. But I think the question now is, as players around the league see the microscope that's on this team and just how much pressure there is, is this an attractive situation for free agents to go to? I mean, look, a lot of people would say that the Lakers still have a great chance to get Anthony Davis. Maybe they win the trade battle with Boston to get him. But if they don't, if they don't, trade for Anthony Davis. Are they getting Kevin Durant? No. Are they getting Kyrie Irving? I would put them as a maybe in that one, but the prevailing wisdom around the league is still that Kyrie and Durant will go somewhere together. Are they getting Klay Thompson? No. Are they getting Kawhi Leonard? I think the Clippers get Kawhi Leonard. So who are the Lakers getting if they don't trade for Anthony Davis? I can't answer that question right now, but it, it, it doesn't look great. I mean, it doesn't look you know, what's materially going to change if they don't get Anthony Davis? Mark Stein joining us. These are all fair questions, and they may not get him. Don't assume that he's coming like everybody assumed that Paul George would come because he didn't either. Now, you spoke to Andrew Bogut, and he's going to rejoin Golden State. In terms of speaking to him, what was his excitement level like? What was, his com- what was that conversation like? And do you have a sense of how much he's got left in the tank? He's giddy. I mean, he's he ne- – he ne- you know, because – it's not just that the Warriors wanted him. You know, the Warriors kind of covertly started lobbying him in December. Hey, if we have a roster spot in March, we want you. They told him, we're going to go into the buyout market, and if we get somebody in the buyout market, we're not going to have a roster spot for you. But if we don't and your season's over, we want you to come back. And so for someone who left the NBA and went to his native Australia to play and thought that the door was closed forever. He's naturally very excited. Look, he, he still, I think, just on know-how, positioning, angle, just how smart a team defender he is, 
he will help them defensively. I don't know how much he's going to play. Still, the big question with Golden State is they, they're still trying to figure, figure out the Cousins thing. And, you know, that's their priority right now. But to pick up Bogut after an MVP season in Australia, I'm sure people around their league are like, great, you know, the last thing, the last thing we want to see is the Warriors getting more help. What the last thing they want to see, Mark, the last thing they want to see is the Warriors getting Giannis really quickly. Now, you know Golden State. You know they're always working a plan. Marcus Thompson of The Athletic recently wrote about the possibility of Golden State making a run at Giannis in 2022. From what you know, is that something that team has talked about internally? And could you actually see something like that happening? Because it's this crazy league, I'll never say never. There's no question they've they've waited internally. I mean... Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo are are not only friends; they're they're rep by the same agent. So I'm I'm sure you know Joe Lacob just has his general philosophy is that he thinks the Warriors should always be going after the best, targeting the best, and they'll make a run at anybody. They'll never think that they can't. So now this would be predicated on not being able to keep Durant, and I think again the, the you know if you pulled 30 general managers around the league, the majority would say, the overwhelming majority would say, they think Durant is leaving. So if Durant leaves, you know, they will definitely swing for the fences on Giannis. Now, I also think it's only right to point out, Giannis has done nothing but profess his love for Milwaukee. And with what they're building in Milwaukee and with how successful they've been this season, there hasn't even been an iota of an indication that he's, looking to go elsewhere. But again, are you asking me, will the Warriors make a run at him? If they have the cap space, bank on it. Hey Mark, one last thought about Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant obviously is, I mean, best in class, maybe best in the world, one of the best to ever do it, world-class player. But when you look about where he's been, he was in OKC, then he went to Golden State and played with a number of other stars. If, in fact, he were to go to New York and be the guy, or even if he were to go to New York with Kyrie and there was a 1-1-A situation, but if you're in a situation where you're in a tough town with a tough media and you're building from the ground up, how do you think that he would do there, KD? Yeah, as annoyed as he's getting with the Bay Area media, I mean, I think, you know, Barkley said it this week, and everybody would, anybody would rightly question how on earth is he going to cope with the kind of scrutiny that you get put under in New York from the tabloids there every single day. Um, But there's just so much smoke about it that, it's become what people expect. I mean, you know, it's gotten to the point that I think it would be surprising if he stayed. I think people will be surprised if he stays. But I think you also got to always throw in that caveat that July 1 is still a long way away. There's, you know, the, the playoffs are almost like a season unto themselves. It's a two, you know, it's a, almost a two-month, it is a two-month, two-month run. It's a two-month season unto itself. Where is Grant going to be when that's all over. If the Warriors win again, only he knows. I mean, that's the thing. We're all outsiders. We're all guessing. He hasn't said, he hasn't given any definitive hints. So do I think things could change and we could be having a different conversation, you know, on June 15th than we are now? Sure. But, uh, you know, there's just so much talk about it that you can't dismiss it. No, no, and, you know, I can tell you to dismiss it, and nobody is. So, I mean, no one's going to listen to me. Well, man, this is why they gave you the 2019 Kurt Gowdy Media Award, because of analysis like that, that is so true. I mean, so much could happen between now and then. And when you talk about the postseason being a season onto itself, nobody more so than for Golden State, who's been biding their time and waiting to get to this point because they know. And it is a season onto itself. He covers the NBA for the New York Times. He is the man behind the New York Times NBA newsletter and is the recipient of the 2019 Kurt Gowdy Media Award. Mark, congrats again for that. You earned it. It's a tremendous honor. And it's great to have you back on the program. See you in the Big West Tournament, man. It's going to be us or, us or you guys. One of us has got to take UC Irvine out. I was going to say, dude, UC Irvine looks good, don't they? They look really good. I, I cannot bear for UC Irvine to win the Big West. So if we don't do it, the Gauchos better do it. Jim, I've been listening to the show now for about five years. It has gotten me through my first job after college. How did Alvin's week that was get started? How does he turn it around so quickly? John in Iowa. Such a good question.
John. But it's not for me to answer. It's for the legend himself to answer. Alvy, move it over. Slide on over. Get behind the microphone. Let us in. Everybody wants to know exactly how it is you do this. Your process, your methodology. Go ahead, Alvin. Step right up. Hey, Jim. Hey, Alvin. Dude, don't act like you're sitting in the electric chair. This is going to be easy. All right, so this guy wants to know, number one, how did the week that was get started? It's actually been 10 years. But he's been listening for five years. All right, so... Uh, but thanks, so are, you, are you correcting me or are you correcting him? So I believe it started uh, in a meeting. Jason Stewart, it was actually Jason Stewart's idea. No, I doubt that. It was actually my idea, but go ahead. To make a, a weekly mix it, it kind of rooted from that like we wanted a new mix every week so uh it started like that and then it kind of came it uh, kind of became let me, this let me like let me reel. interject with one thing that one thing being ah! that's not what happened alvin how this went down was i came to you you had your alvin's mix but i got the entire crew together we had a point in time where there was kind of a fork in the road and i said guys i need everybody to step up alvin you are super talented you could do even more i would like for you to do more how about the week that was or something to that extent that's how that went down exactly right. perfectly okay, there you go there you go all right so the other question is and it just got better and better and better and better the other question being this guy wants to know how do you turn it around so quickly it, what is the process? Is it a quick process or no? I mean, it is pretty amazing. <laughs> I, 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 yes, I really is, can't Alvin. explain it. I, it's a gift. You know, some people can do these things. Not many. I can. So, Dude, I, I'm in shock. Like, let me pick up my jaw off the ground. No, Alvin, you're a gift. I can't even believe what I just heard. Did you just say that this is a gift? Not many people can do these things, but I can? I mean, do you see it anywhere else? I don't. Holy crap. This is amazing. No. No, Alvin. I've never seen it anywhere else. I've just never seen you step up like this and articulate it as such. In short, I've never heard you step up and say things like, tell me how my ass tastes. Hey, you think you can do this, Van Smack? Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I didn't really have that much time to prepare an actual answer. Oh, no. This is as natural and real as it gets. How you like me now? Dude, what's gotten into you, and why don't we talk more often? You got a swag today that I haven't seen since you were crossing fools over, putting them on roller skates, and shattering ankles in high school. We should probably get to it soon. It's already... <laughs> yeah, we should walk off on that, legend. All right, Alvin. Thanks, Jim. See you later, bro. I am absolutely stunned by that. All right, so let's see if he can live up to all that hype, all that junk that he was talking about himself. I know he can. He's a legend. He's Alvin freaking Deloro. Roll it, King. Go, go, go. Yo, clones. What's good? Welcome to the jungle. A lot of crazy things out of the combine. Good, good things out of the combine. A freak show coming out of the combine. Ordinarily, I would have started right there. Except I can't. Because I can't stop thinking about the disaster that is the LA Lakers. Yeah! Oh, my God. Oh! LeBron yeah. inbounded the ball. He threw the ball off the back of the backboard. Smacked by a team that was sitting on 12 wins in March with nothing to play for. If that's not laying down, what would you call these it? These goofballs ain't going to do shit. These dudes are... D-O-A. Like the Lakers, we lost to the Suns. Signed the parents Menendez. <laughs> you know what I like about Roman's show? He likes takes on the Menendez brothers. Brother. Dave Roberts. Hey, Romy, I got a surprise for you. Ready? Yes. The Dodger faith right here at Camelback Red. Matt Norlander joining us. And then as you well know, because Mark Few is a good friend of the show, he has done this most of the season without last season's leading score. What he said about Mark Few is so true. Back in the day, it was always about the next thing. Get to the next job. Get to a bigger conference. Get to a bigger paycheck. Get to the chopper. This was the one guy who always said, why? Why do I have to? Why do I have to leave? Peter DeBoer joining us for a few more moments. Can he handle uh, being pushed hard? Pat him on the back more than kick him in the... Uh... You're just killing yourself, man, and you're like mile 24, and somebody come and just rips you right off the course like, sorry, son, you didn't get it done. Start over. Uh, that would suck. What should he do between now and that day to give him the best opportunity for finishing? Give his bib to somebody else. I don't mind having a heinous pace for this race. Wow, that was well said. And the rebound goes to who else? Pat Beverly. It's a chip on my shoulder. How's that taste, Laker fan? Tell me how my how is living in a Clippers town and running around with a big dump in your pants? This 
pisses me off. Take Ooh, in Akron, he allegedly opened two million. The dude's worth half a bill. That'd be like me throwing a couple nickels at a few bombs and prancing around saying I ended world hunger. Brandon Copeland joining us. What was it like teaching that first class at your alma mater? Man, nerve-wracking. You chuck the armpits of my shirt. More sweat than on a game day. Bro, I didn't really come into this game to be cameras in my face, be famous, be a celebrity. You're lucky he even performs for you, you bastards. Leave Kyrie alone. Chris Mannix, are you in any way compromising the quality of your life because you are going hard? I don't think so, Jim. My artificial Christmas tree is still up. <laughs> no. I, I think I could use a little more free time. Right, bro. And you'll never eat solid food again. You'll never have a meal that doesn't involve a straw ever again. Justice Hill is my guest. Rest and recovery is so huge. Are you a part of Nap Nation? I can nap it out really well. It's hard out here because it's so sunny all the time. But back in Oklahoma, I can get my naps in. You know, you clones, it's like I don't even know you anymore. I think you've all grown up. Isn't today Fat Tuesday? Not one request, not one suggestion, even for our fat celebratory announcement? You fat ass. Leadership, not good. This happens every Every single year to any quarterback worth a damn. It happened before this guy, and it's going to happen to the next guy. It always happens. It's draft season. Christian Wilkins joins me in the studio. He spent some time so, as a yeah. substitute teacher. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Man, that was great. It was really special to do that. You know, I felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger and a kindergarten cop. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. You got kids running up to you, crawling all over your leg like, Mr. Wilkins, Mr. Wilkins. Way against you on this one, buddy. Talk to me. They should run him every single game. Run his ass down. All 48 minutes. I don't care if they lose by 48 points. You run, run his, his ass down. Ass. What are you talking about? Rod Pennemore joining us. Uh, you know what? I, I think I've kept me open. I think I'm bleeding Hurricane Red here. and My family's from here. Growing up here, I want to see it succeed. It's a real pride. Gone. I will tell you how to get over on a casino. Do it. You got to call Brad Pitt, Don Cheadle, Matt Damon, all those guys, and get another Ocean's Eleven going. Oh, not good. Right when I ordered my second beer, they cut me off too. This guy's not outstanding in those areas. In other words, you liked Heath Schuler, so shut the hell up about Kyler Murray. Not good. Jason Lockett for joining us. What was your reaction about Kyler Murray? As long as you know nobody drops a piano on his head or an anvil or something, he's going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Wore James Kelly's anorexic arms and blow pop dome forehead. Nate Oates. Great to be on again, Rome. What is Antonio Brown missing out on by saying, I don't want to come to Buffalo? Addition by subtraction. I think the Bills will be all right. I, I like the app. I like what they got going here. How long of a call do I got here? Before there was ever Viagra, it was a six-pack of Michelob and Bon Jovi in Indiana. That's like Indiana and Viagra. Anywhere near my football team, let's stick to the process, use our pick, use our cap space, and we'll draft our own young stud-wide receiver. There's only one Big West legend on this call, man, and it's the, it's the gaucho. Copper is dog dad. Hey, man, I appreciate it, Jim. Keep doing your thing. I had to beg my boss for a day off just so I could call in. Your hand is near my crotch. Suck my b- I didn't mean it. I wanted to say Run his ass down. Happy International Women's Day. Below not good. Goofball. Romy, take care of yourself. Thanks again for having me on. Or Alex Trebek. Good night now! Oh, parody Larry. I was going to go to you. We're out of time. You know what, Larry? Let me get it in quickly. Parody Larry. Lawrence, you're on the air. Sitting on the bench in L.A. Ah. That's not a good call. Good night now!